The harvest is ripe, but the laborers are few. Why did he use that word? God goes to extreme measures to bring the lost to himself. The greatest gift you will ever give this world is your intimacy with God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all three inside of me. I've got the power right now. I think what Jesus really wants is people to go. I want to be the answer to Jesus' prayer request. Welcome to the Fuel for the Harvest podcast. When this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world, then shall the end come. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this latest episode of Fuel for the Harvest. This is Charlie. And this is Nathan, and we will be your hosts for today. Thank you so much for joining this latest episode of the podcast. And we have joining us this week our special guest, who is also a Ford speaker, Paul Epperson. Paul, thank you so much for joining. See you guys. See you guys. <laughs> Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, hey, I'm excited yeah. for this conversation, man, and always a joy to have you uh, joining us. I mean, we're preaching together, training together all the time, and hey, why not talk together too? So, <laughs> Absolutely. We are going to be entering into a new little conversation, a continuing conversation. You could also call it maybe a mini-series. Um, you've probably heard this word in uh, recent days or recent months. Uh, it's becoming an increasingly popular conversation among Christians and evangelicals alike, and that is the word deconstruction. So, our goal over the course of the next several episodes or so is to talk about what is this deconstruction and then uh, we really want to introduce you to some of the things that are triggering people to deconstruct and not just young people uh, it's definitely a stereotype that young people are deconstructing but this is happening across the age spectrum uh, everybody from 14 up to 44 and 84 and, and everybody in between um, there's not really an age parameter on this but what is causing people of all ages to deconstruct and how would we respond to those deconstruction arguments um, so that's kind of our goal. Uh, so it's a this episode is we're just going to introduce the idea of deconstruction to you and uh, kind of share a definition. And then in following episodes, we're going to be addressing individual triggers that have led people to make those decisions. So that's what we're headed towards. And uh, anyway, without any further ado, what is our definition of deconstruction? Now, that is the question right there. Hey, I got something for you guys. Uh, maybe maybe you'll have uh, some thoughts on this, um, but I got a definition right here. Uh, what some people have said is deconstruction. Um, at least I thought I did. Yeah, here we go. So according to one writer, deconstruction is, quote, the process of systematically dissecting and often rejecting the beliefs you grew up with. I like that definition. I got another one. Um, it is, oh gosh, I had it written right here. So sorry. <laughs> a crisis of Christian faith that leads to either a reevaluation of Christianity or sometimes a total abandonment of Christianity. It's pretty similar, right? Yep. So basically look at the beliefs you've held growing up or held for many years, reevaluate them, dissect them. And that often leads to then, in the end, abandoning them. Yeah. And Paul, you had mentioned something earlier that I think we should define the difference between deconstruction and deconversion. What would you say is the difference there? Yeah, I like those uh, definitions too, by the way. Those are good. And uh, I think that uh, you know deconstruction is a process. I think that we have to understand that there can be both positive and negative forms of deconstruction, right? Um, but deconstruction takes time. 
and uh, deconversion is the is a result. Uh, just because somebody says, "Hey, look, I'm deconstructing some of my belief systems that maybe I've grown up with," or I kind of want to re like de define some of those things a little bit better, solidify them in my own heart about it. Did God really say this? Is this what God's talking about? Does this mean this? And go back to the Word of God, number one, because when you deconstruct, you got to go back to the source, right? You got to go back to, to the truth, the, the one that says He's the truth in the first place. And then, but but it doesn't always mean that you're going to deconvert, that you're going to leave the faith entirely or completely. That does happen, uh, sadly. Uh, but I do think there is a difference. So I, if I ha I've had moments of deconstruction in my own life with, with my walk with Jesus, but it didn't mean that I deconverted, mm -hmm. right? That that, it, that I wasn't a Christian any longer, or that I had left the faith entirely. So, so Paul, uh, I'm curious on that. Um, what would be the difference between, like? How can we discern whether it's a good or a bad deconstruction? So if we're going to define deconversion as I'm abandoning all faith, I'm abandoning my beliefs, my Christianity, Orthodox, historic Christianity, I'm abandoning those beliefs. That's deconversion. Deconstruction. Now, OK, let me just pause there. That gets into all the theological battles of did you lose your salvation? Did you ever have salvation? Honestly, uh, we don't care about that. We just care that you love Jesus with everything you've got. I don't care whether you lost it or you never had it. I'm going to do everything to make sure that you love Jesus with everything you got and you're on fire for him. That's that's our standpoint um, as we have fellowship with believers who, who are across that spectrum. But whatever the case may be, that comes down to, okay, they're abandoning these beliefs. Whether it was authentic or not, they're abandoning them. Deconstruction, dissecting the beliefs. Mm -hmm. How do we discern in any given circumstance if that's positive or negative? Like, hey, let's say I'm wrestling with something. How would you know whether I'm I'm going down a good path or a bad path? Yeah, no, I think that's that's a great question, Charlie. And I think that um, I think the idea is at the end will always show you. Now you're thinking, well, how do I get there before it's too late? You know, before it is, you know, I've kind of left the faith. I yeah. think that that um, you know, I, I do think you know, letting letting godly people into your life right as well i think there is something really good to it to this accountability you know i think so part of the, the the reason that we're led astray in so many ways is because we're trying to do everything on our own right um but i think that if you are the the, the one to answer your question though charlie the, the one way to do it is is if the word of god is not part of is not the main thing of your deconstruction process it's going to end badly <laughs> because <clears throat> i think that the idea of deconstruction today in, in America, so to speak, which is not a new thing, right? It's probably in the 60s in the nation, but it's not a new thing as far as deconstruction goes. Um, I think that um, if most people, like you said earlier, Charlie, most people look at deconstruction and go, I'm, I'm moving, I'm dissecting, and then I'm going to move away from this orthodox, like historical Christianity, right? Biblical, like biblical Christianity, right? Because I think that is a very big thing. Um, if I'm moving outside of those parameters, right, because only God understands, right? If I'm moving outside of the Bible and those parameters primarily and only, then I'm probably going to go down a wrong path. Because if I'm deconstructing, I'm not just deconstructing, um, like breaking down the maintenance of faith. I am doing that. But I'm at deconstruction in a positive way is I'm actually um, trying to dissect and realize, are there other harmful doctrines and belief systems that are outside of the Bible that are, that are infiltrating my life or the church that I'm a part of? So for instance, if there are, if the prosperity gospel, which is very prevalent uh, in, in the nation, if, if that, I, I need to dissect that and go, am I believing that way? 
um, a lot of this emotional, healthy type stuff has, has so infiltrated um, maybe my personal belief or the church that I'm a part of. That needs to be deconstructed as well. So I'm not just deconstructing and dissecting healthy, good things and try to understand them better in, in the word of God. I'm getting some of those things out, right, mm -hmm. uh, that, are, that are not healthy. And so how do I know that I'm moving down that maybe a, a wrong path is, is, is this the focus more on me now? I am I am moving kind of in the maybe the wrong idea of deconstruction. And am I am I putting the word of God on the shelf? And if I'm doing those two things primarily, I think we got a problem. I, I couldn't agree more, Paul. Um, I feel like that is the razor thin edge between healthy and it it maybe it feels more razor thin when you're in the middle of it, but from a third party outside observer, maybe it's not so razor thin, right? But the the difference between a healthy deconstruction and an unhealthy deconstruction is A, who's at the middle of it? Is God at the middle of it and his word or am I at the middle of it? And like, what is the basis of my deconstruction? And two, uh, what am I deconstructing? Am I deconstructing what God has said or am I deconstructing what people have said about God? Yeah, and I think that that is a real, those are the crucial differences. So some people, for example, as we've been doing research uh, for this series of episodes that you're about to listen to, um, some people have suggested that Martin Luther, for example, deconstructed uh, the famous reformer, 1517, October 31st, 1517, nails the 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg church. And he says, hey, these are these are things that need to change. And and people have said, well, look, even even this famous, you know, the the hero of Protestantism, if you will, maybe that's a maybe that's an overstatement. Uh, but this famous guy, he also deconstructed. I would say the difference between what Martin Luther did and what we're seeing many, many people do in the 500 years later is that Martin Luther was trying to turn the church back to God's word. Whereas today we're just trying to change God's word to meet our culture. And those are very different things. Yeah. And I would dare to even say, it's not like Martin Luther was deconstruction constructing. He wasn't attempting to tear down what was constructed. He was attempting to reform. He even said, I didn't want to split from the Catholic Church. He didn't want to tear apart from. He wanted to, to improve the direction of and reform from inside. Now, they rejected him and kicked him out. And so he ended up constructing something totally separate from uh, with that movement of Protestantism. Um, but that that could be debated. But it he wasn't there going and saying, hey, I'm going to doubt God's word. He was saying. I stand on the authority of God's word. Therefore, I doubt the teachings of those around me. And it's a clear authority of God's word. He wasn't pulling it apart and saying, oh, is it really true? Is it not? Um, so I think that's a crucial point, which actually um, it begs the question in my mind, is this deconstruction a mentality new? I don't think it is. It's always been around. Um, it may have more publicity in this day and age because of news and the next whoever's grabbing a hold of it and talking about it, but it's not anything new. It's been around. Um, it was around in Billy Graham's day. So several generations ago, um, a, a similar kind of evaluation, I would say of, Hey, how do we determine if something is a good direction or a bad direction? Um, Billy well, Graham. Yeah. So Sorry. Go ahead, man. Yeah. Billy Graham had, uh, a good friend who he would consider a mentor in the ministry. 
um, when he was launching out as an evangelist. This other guy was also an evangelist. Um, and people often said that his friend was actually the better preacher. <laughs> Imagine that. Um, his name is Charles Templeton. They called him Chuck. And uh, they were like tight knit, man, in the ministry. Billy learned from him all these things. And uh, Chuck began to wrestle, ends up at Princeton Theological Seminary, which had adopted the uh, ideas of liberalism. Now you can go all like you can go way way back uh where the entire church every denomination wrestled with this um and wrestled with this becoming a cultural phenomenon um back in the early 1900s where liberalism began to be introduced theologically uh and uh they believe it or not they actually even called it the social gospel arose out of the early 1900s um and that's something that is resurfacing even in our current day and age, I would say. But whatever the case may be, um, liberalism arose. It split churches down the middle in the early 1900s. So we're talking about theological concepts and deconstruct. I mean, it's been around through the centuries. And so what happened was um, Charles Templeton, Billy Graham's friend, a mentor in the ministry, ends up doubting the scripture. He says, I don't think we can trust it any longer. Imagine this. Check out these words of several conversations. It's so fascinating to me because then we can pinpoint and say, hey, was this healthy? Was it unhealthy? What was the end result? What happened to Billy and what happened to Charles? Well, check out these couple conversations they had. Uh, Chuck Templeton wrote in a book. He's like, all our differences came to head in a discussion um, with Billy Graham, his friend. He says, in the course of our conversation, I said, but Billy, it's simply not possible any longer to believe, for instance, the biblical account of creation. The world was not created over a period of a few days or a, a thousand years ago. It's evolved over millions of years. It's not a matter of speculation. It's demonstrable fact. And Billy said, I don't accept that. There are reputed scholars who, who don't either. And Templeton kind of is like, well, who are these scholars? Can we trust them? Are they, are they conservative Christian college scholars? And Billy says, well, yeah, most of them, but that's not the point. I believe Genesis, the Genesis account of creation, because it's in the Bible. I've discovered something in my ministry, Billy says. When I take the Bible literally, when I proclaim it as the word of God, my preaching has power. When I stand on the platform and say, God says, or the Bible says, the Holy Spirit uses me, there are results. Wiser men than you or I have been arguing questions like this for centuries. I don't have the time or the intellect to examine all sides of the theological dispute. So I've decided once for all to stop questioning and accept the Bible as God's word. And um, that's the stance in the, the path that Billy took while his friend took the other stance. Um, in fact, in the same conversation, uh, his friend says, Billy, you're 50 years out of date. People no longer accept the Bible as being inspired the way that you do. Your faith is too simple. Your language is out of date. You're going to have to learn the new jargon if you're going to be successful in your ministry. Now, that's funny to hear that early on because he didn't know the success that would happen in Billy Graham's ministry. Um, but this, this writing says Templeton's training in theological liberalism exposed Graham's intellectual shortcomings, but Billy Graham was not prepared to surrender just yet. He says, Chuck, look, I haven't a good enough mind to settle these questions with his usual humility. The finest minds in the world have come down on both sides. I, I, I just can't. I have found that if I say the Bible says I get results. Now, where did that come from in Billy's life? Because he actually had a moment before he said these words to his friend. And what he did was 
he went to the woods with his Bible because he started to wrestle. He started to doubt God's word. He started to say, well, if my good friend Chuck is doing this, maybe should I too? And so he goes to the woods with his Bible and finally comes to the conclusion where he says, you know what? At the end of the day, I'm going to trust God and I'm going to trust what he says. I'm going to have faith. He sets his Bible down on a stump in the woods and says, God, just as I have received my salvation by faith and trust in you, I'm going to trust and receive your word as from you and inspired as well. And that set him on a new course. His next large ministry event was the tent revivals in Los Angeles. And that's where a reporter just blew him up. Everybody saw him and he became famous at that point. And his ministry expanded and was far reaching as if God had poured out his favor on Billy's ministry. What happened to his friend, Charles Templeton? He ended up down a completely different path where he left the faith. As Paul, you said, he, you could say he deconversion. Um, became an agnostic and went the complete opposite direction. Fascinating though, at the end, toward the end of his life, he had a conversation with Lee Strobel, a well-known apologist and evangelist. And Lee Strobel interviews him about Jesus. And Charles Templeton goes on to say that Jesus was the most important person in his life. He studied him in history. He was this great moral teacher, like all this stuff. But then it, he's, Lee Strobel records that Chuck Templeton was like emotionally moved and says, I miss him. And then says, okay, enough of that, enough of that. Let's let's change the conversation. Um, so fascinating when you look at the trajectory of both of their lives, where they started and where they landed. Now, um, so anyway, like you could look at historic lives to say, hey, what's healthy, what's not healthy, and where do they land at the end of the day? Sure. And I I really appreciate uh that. I'm I'm curious, I, I don't know if if there's going to be anybody listening to this podcast series who's thinking through the lens of, hey, I am in the middle of deconstruction. And hearing that story that you just shared, uh, as someone who's solid in my faith, it's it's inspiring. It, it reminds me why I've made the decisions that I've made, right? But if I'm in the middle of deconstruction, that story seems to undermine my experience, right? So I'm curious, Paul or Charlie, if, if if you were if how would you how would you address somebody in a conversation who's in the middle of deconstruction and say hey like like how would you point them towards God's word or what would you say to say hey why 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 should you use yeah. God's words as, as a basis instead of using culture as a basis I, I think that's a very important question and I, I want to hear Paul you answer that but I would say don't miss in the story with Billy Graham and Charles Templeton that both began to wrestle. Mm. Billy began to wrestle before he came to his conclusion. Um, but both of them, I would say one took the healthy route and one took the unhealthy route. Uh, mm. Now we don't know the full details because how are you going to know the fullness of what's in one man's heart? Right. But uh, just notate that in the story as, as we discuss it, uh, Paul, what, what do you think? Yeah, no, I think oh, that's great. Yeah, and I, I tell you that that story, Charlie, too, is just like it's 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 heart wrenching, you know. Um, but it's it is uh, at the end of his life, going, man, I miss Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. Um, yeah. I would say I say this, Nathan. That's a wonderful question, bro. Because I think I think we have to, like you're saying, we have to acknowledge that y'all. There, there is a lot of people, both that are Christian and that are not yet, that that the word wrestle needs to be okay with them. Right. Because the idea of and I've, I've, I will mention this before, Nathan, if it's OK to do that, because I think it might apply here, is that 
you know, we cannot deconstruct what has never been constructed in the first place, right? Jesus is the master builder. I mean, Abraham in Hebrews 11, he's, he's building a place with foundations. He's the builder. He's the architect. And he's, he's, I will build my church, right? It's like, he, he's the one that I have to go to. So you're asking the question, how would we encourage that to people that are really are having a faith crisis? Let me say this. You're going to feel like sometimes like you're torn to pieces by God, even. I don't know if it's by God, but you got what I'm saying. And I need you to know that that's okay. We do not like to wrestle with the thing, with the truth. We don't. We, in some ways, we've lived in a, in a, in a culture, Christian culture for the most, for a lot of parts that just tell you what to do, right? Here's what you need to believe. And you never dig in for yourself. We're reaping that benefit. But at the same time, culture is doing the same thing. Just believe what we say. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so my thing would be is I would encourage anybody who's, who has this faith crisis or deconstruction mentality, whatever, um, to simply go to the word of God and go to the one who has invited everybody to come and reason with him, right? As Isaiah would say, who's invited everybody and given them space. As you see, if anybody he's encountered, the rich young ruler, you name it, he gives people the space to respond and react and think through the things that he says about himself, right? So I think he's the only one that, that I can tell you from the scriptures that I look at his life. You have to look at Jesus. You can't look at just the institution of the church. It's being shaken right now. Right? It's, it's deconstructing in itself, right? Not bad because judgment starts with the house of God. But um, pastors that claim to be burned out whatever that terminology is, I think that's a form of deconstruction. I think there's so much of us that are, that are in this process that we cannot look to those things or people, right? You can't look to the people and the things that are deconstructing themselves, right? But you have to look to one to the one that is eternal and constant. Mm. So I think Jesus invites us on this journey, on this wrestle. When he wrestled with Jacob, he let, he, he let Jacob wrestle with him all night long, right? Mm. Until he went, boop. That's right, for my okay. mind. That, right? <laughs> Exactly to him. Yeah. So go ahead. Nathan. I'm sorry. I what, think what what about Job? Okay. So we all know the story of Job. Job has everything. Satan goes to God. Hey, let me tempt this guy. God says, okay. And uh we get all the Job gets through like 40 chapters of terrible advice from his friends. And then finally, Job kind of like in a in a very it just in a moment of simple questioning, right? He asks God a question, and what, what does God do? He rebukes him for being like, were you here? Like, God retorts Job's questions with his own questions. So what would you say is the difference between Jacob's wrestling with God and Job's questioning of God? And, like, because here's where my mind's going. If I'm someone who's who's really looking into the faith, and I'm being told it's okay to question, how do I know based on scripture, how do I know that it's okay to question? Because I agree with you, what you're saying, Paul, I agree. But I also am wondering, like, what's the basis of that? Because I'm also thinking of the apostle Paul, who is persecuting the church. And then his conversion is not really a questioning as much as just a special revelation from Jesus yeah. showing up in his life and totally transforming him from the inside out. And I'm having a hard time thinking of others who have questioned and gone through that wrestling process. Uh, do you guys have any coming to mind and any yeah. thoughts on that? And, and right, just yeah. to throw in with those two stories as well, because uh, immediately what came to my mind is Jacob wrestling God, right? right? We live in a fast food culture. We want everything immediately. Like 
give me my DoorDash. It's going to take a half hour. That, that's not fast enough. Like, get it now. I'll pay the extra $2. Uh, or like, man, there's a line at Chick-fil-A. There's always a line that's 10 miles long. Like, I guess I'm going to go park and walk inside so I can get my food a little bit faster since it's supposed to be fast food. Um, and then we're in it like social media, scroll, 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 scroll. Our brains in this current day and age have been programmed to move fast and to not dwell on things and ponder. And I think wrestling requires time. Uh, like Jacob wrestled God all night long. I would ask now, yes, we all have things we think through when we're worried about something that we, we can continue to be stuck on it. But when do we really intentionally dig into something for a lengthy amount of time and wrestle with it? I would say the difference as I analyze between, so that's one factor. It can take time. And I think sometimes we're too impatient to truly investigate from a pure heart of humility and desire to grow and to learn versus to fight or to get an answer immediately. So that's one factor. But then as I analyze Job versus Jacob, what's the difference? Uh, I think the difference is desiring to be up close and be with God versus to fight against and say, God, you're wrong. So if you come to him with a standpoint of God, you're wrong, you're never going to get anywhere. You're going to get rebuked or you're going to run away like Jonah. He's like, no, I, God's wrong. We don't ain't, we shouldn't go to Nineveh. That's that's not the right answer. That didn't turn out so well for him. <laughs> uh he got thrown into the sea thinking he's going to die. God's mercy saved him with a fish and and he you know the story. Eventually he gets spit back up and does go. But I also think of um cuz that gets into what's the difference between doubting and wrestling with. Uh because according to the book of James, if anyone doubts like he he's should like see well, he's a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Yep. Yeah. And she expects to receive nothing from God. Mm -hmm. Then you've got Hebrews. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I think if you come to God without faith, only doubt and resistance to him, you'll receive nothing from him and you will not please him. Yep. So what's so then that begs the question, okay, how do you actually wrestle in a way that's full of faith? Yeah, Paul, any other thoughts on that initial question, though? No, no and I, I 100% agree with you. I think there is a difference between, like skeptics, right? I think there's a difference between somebody who really wants truth. And I think when you really want truth, God will allow those questions, right? Like Jacob was fighting for something that he wanted, and God allowed him to wrestle with him all night long. But in the story, Jacob will suffer for the rest of his life in the sense that he's going to limp to be reminded of things, and God renamed him. So when God asked, what's your name? I think it's a rebuke because Jacob for early bright before that didn't tell his name. He said he was Esau. Right. So I think that there's, there's a way that God knows personally how to deal with each person. God let Job go through this whole time. Kind of like, why was I born? I should have died. And why, you know, all the why questions, which I don't ever think they're the right questions, but, but in the end, God took him through the universe to give him a God's eye view to say, here's what's true. You thought this was right. Here's what I see. You don't see that, but I'm taking you there. And then Job repented. I think in the end, it will all deconstruction. Hopefully will all come to the point of repentance mm -hmm. because we realize I don't know what I'm talking about. You do though. And so I think that's the point of, of, of true deconstruction is we are like, and I love what you said earlier, Nathan, is that, and I, and I hope I'm going to say this right, is that we, 
we can deconstruct the things of what God says, but we're deconstructing what other people have said about God. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think the whole point of deconstruction is God is allowing us this back and forth, but a true friend, according to what God says in Proverbs will wound you. And in our culture today, anything that feels offensive is not love, but biblical agape love is I will allow you to walk through these things because we need to think we, we want to love God with our heart, mind, soul, our whole being. we got to walk through that. And God knows that he made us that way. But in the end, love is going to give you some really hard truths and rebuke you mm-hmm. because that's 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 love. And in the end, hopefully our eyes will be lifted up to the one who made us for himself. Absolutely. And uh, I, 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 I can only agree with what you guys are saying. And I, I like the, the difference that you guys are. There's, there's a faith that goes along with the, what, what Jacob is doing and almost a lack of faith with, that goes along with what Job is doing. And uh, I think that that's a great, a great differentiation between the two. Um, so uh, let's just quickly review our, our definition of deconstruction is basically you're you're looking at and evaluating the belief system that you grew up in and we're suggesting that if you're going to deconstruct appropriately uh you'll deconstruct what the the culture has built up around the faith instead of deconstructing god's word itself whereas if you want to end up probably deconverting you'll deconstruct god's word itself and question god's word and not take it on faith for those of you who are in the process of questioning god's word our encouragement to you is there is an element of you're just going to have to take it on faith um there are just like billy graham said there are many people out there who have answered many quest- difficult questions about the bible and who are much smarter than paul charlie and i uh who who could give you much better answers uh but but understand that when the rubber hits the road and you get to the very end of that road there will still be a need for faith in order to be a follower of jesus there always will be a need for faith it's impossible to please god without faith now i would also on that faith just before you transition i want to add in we will have upcoming episodes and conversations where we talk about why would we trust the Bible? Why would we not question it? We're going to get into that. So if you're wondering like, okay, so your only answer is like this, this big book here that was written centuries ago, you're telling me just to trust it for no, no, we have reason why we would trust it. And we're going to discuss that in the days ahead. Um, we don't have the time to dig into all of that on this, this first conversation. So that is coming. I think we have strong reason why we would put our trust or faith in it. And that means our faith doesn't necessarily have to be blind. Uh, like people say have blind faith. Why, why? Like our faith doesn't need to be blind. I think that's a faulty understanding of what true faith is. And uh, yet, like you're saying at the end of the day, you have to trust. Yeah. I mean, I've spent the greater part of the last five years looking into and seeking to have an apologetic answer for many of these questions. And at the end of the day, you'll, you'll be surprised. There's lots and lots of apologetic answers out there. Not all of them are equally compelling, but there's lots and lots of answers out there, lots of options. What I've discovered though, is there is still a need for faith. Like the, the answers that I have are good, and they make sense and they're rational, but I still, and when, when the rubber hits the road in my own life, I still need faith. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's, I, uh, yeah, I agree. And I just had one thought on that too, Nate, how I would parallel that or illustrate it would be like, 
I, let's just suppose like I am married, I have a wife, which I do. And she has been faithful to me up to this point in my marriage. All the track record points that direction. Therefore, I have faith that she will be faithful to me for the remainder of our marriage and our days ahead. Hmm. I have to have faith. Now I have reason to trust that, but I have to have faith that it will come to be. Agreed. And and our relationship with God is much the same. Because yes. he has been faithful, and the Bible literally has that sentence multiple times, because he has been faithful, we can trust him. So it's like a there's reason for it, and now we got to trust it for the sake of the future going forward. Yeah. Absolutely. As 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 I was just summarizing this stuff, do you guys have anything that you feel like, hey, let's re-highlight this just to make sure that we we hit it kind uh, of hard? Well, yeah, before we I would say transition the conversation or wrap it up, um, I think it's worth hitting unless we want to have a future conversation on why would somebody deconstruct? Um, you guys want to dive into that or is it you think that's a future? Um, I the each episode after this one is designed to help people it's going to be based on one of the reasons that someone would deconstruct. So yeah. like, so that, that answer will be answered over the course so, of several episodes. So not in a I agree. So there you go. I think yeah. there's a whole score and host of reasons why you may consider deconstructing. And again, that'll be in the conversations ahead. But, um, uh, I've, I've had various friends, various people I've talked with who have taken the route of Charles Templeton. And it saddens me deeply, uh, which is why maybe you hear in my voice at times a sense of caution when it comes to this topic, uh, because I've seen the outflow and it, it, it deeply burdens me um, when I see it. Everything from, well, my professor said this in my community college, so it must be right. <laughs> and right. they lead the faith because of that. And uh, uh, there's a whole host of reasons that we'll get into, and uh, I think that'll be a really fascinating um, in the future conversations. Um, but uh, maybe I would ask you this. If you're listening and you've heard various reasons why people have deconstructed, whether positively or negatively, that led them to deconvert, to walk away and abandon these beliefs, email us. We want to hear that, and we'll discuss that on the podcast. If you're like, hey, I'd love to hear your perspective on this topic, or I've heard somebody do it in this way, email us podcast at forgeforward.org. That's podcast at forgeforward.org. We'd love to hear what you think. And uh, we'd love to, to get that topic on the podcast as well in the future conversations. Yeah. And one other thing that I just want to be sure that we highlight before we close is what you said earlier, Charlie, which is it's very important that we understand that this conversation is a wrestling match. It is not going to be a Twitterable. You know, it's not going to fit in 140 characters or less. It's 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 more difficult than that. So, if you're going to engage this uh, this series at a deep level, and you might start asking yourself these questions, or you've already been asking these questions, here's a couple of ideas that I have for you. Number one engage that wrestling match knowing that it's going to take some time and be okay with that and also be okay with the difficulty that might arise. I can tell you as someone who deconstructed myself that it was incredibly difficult for months on end. Um, and if I honestly, I'll just, I'll just tell you this as a hint foreshadowing the future. If I hadn't had a personal relationship with Jesus, I probably wouldn't be a Christian right now because of the questions that I faced. The, 
I needed my personal relationship with Jesus to fall back on when the, the answers to the questions weren't satisfactory to me. All right. So there's, there's a thought on that. Also, don't just go on anecdotal evidence. When it comes to this conversation, there are so many he said, she said, here's a story of somebody, blah, 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 blah. Don't, don't just Google it. Like really dive into the conversation and look at the, at the real evidence. Uh, there is evidence that supports why we believe in the historicity of the Bible, for example. There is evidence to support the, the resurrection of Christ. There is evidence to support that the morals of Christianity are, are sound and good. There is real legitimate evidence. Don't just go off the he said, she said stuff. Uh, it will turn you down the wrong path almost every time. Uh, the third thing or fourth thing or whatever on the list that I'm trying to say is and if I can remember, because I lost my train of thought, uh, I can't remember. Well, then while, while you're thinking of that, and I, I just want to re-highlight this as you're walking through this uh, this process for some of you that, that are going to be doing this. One of the greatest, like we, we tell our kids this all the time, right? Like when they don't understand something or something doesn't make sense or they want to push back on something that mommy and daddy have said, right? Um, we always tell them in the wrestle, because it's there. Right. We all have that wrestle. We're all children in some ways. We're all human. So um, and um, but we always say, what do you know about my character? Mm. And that's why the Bible. One of the reasons the Bible is so important, because God is God and I am not. And mm. I have to go back to what I see of his character. Even if I don't understand it, like my oldest asked me one time, she goes, why would God do this? There's your job question. And I said, that's the wrong question. I said, I'm sorry, but it is. I said, the question is what? What is this trying to show me about the nature and character of God? What do I know previously about the nature and the character of God? Charlie, that was what you said about with Dara, you know, with that. We have to go back to the word of God because it shows us what God is like. And therefore, I can trust him in the wrestle, in the process until I get some more clarity on some things. Right? Absolutely. And I remembered what I was going to say. It is really important that you uh, that you ap apply the same standards intellectual standards to all of the evidence. So here's here's what happens a lot. We don't question what we ourselves believe, but we question what everybody else believes. And that happens a lot in our culture, uh, pointed towards Christianity, that happens from Christianity, pointed towards our culture, that happens in Islam to Christianity, that happens from Jehovah's Witness and Mormonism to, to biblical Christianity and so on and so forth. We tend to question everyone else and not question ourselves. And I encourage you to be intellectually honest and apply the same kind of, of, of difficult, uh, the, the same kind of filters to both. Um, that will, that will ensure that you, you actually come out with the truth at the end and not just a, an incredibly biased opinion. That's good. Cool. All right, guys. So, we are so excited to be engaging this uh, this journey with you, and we're excited for the episodes ahead. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, each week, we'll be sending out a new trigger or cause of of deconstruction and our response to it. And so, I hope that you guys enjoy it, and I hope that you find it to be a useful tool. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for joining the podcast. We really appreciate you, brother. And uh, you good if I, if we wrap it up, Charlie? Yep. Good to go. Thank, thank you guys for joining and uh, subscribing. We really appreciate that. If uh, you felt impacted or find something insightful, if you could share it, post it on social media, 
uh, that always helps to spread the word. Uh, those of you who are listening here and around the globe, man, thank you. Uh, I was so encouraged to see the stats that our podcast was one of the most shared globally, um, which is just really exciting to see. And that's thanks to you guys for um, liking and sharing. Uh, so uh, really appreciate you guys joining and look forward to uh, having this conversation continue. Again, if you have thoughts or questions or you're like, hey, I'd love to hear you guys discuss this topic, please send us an email podcast at forwardforward.org.